0: and deep. Touchdown Wisconsin and this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. I don't want to channel my inner in gym roam today. I don't want to have to do it. I know he just wrapped up his show for the afternoon and for the week, but I, but I almost have to. I got some smack to talk today. To Packers fans, to Packers writers, because there's just this one narrative, this one thing that will not go away It's bothering me. We got to get to that. Uh, the Bucs made a huge trade just about 10 minutes ago, right before we went on air. And we will talk about that because even if you're not a Bucs fan, if you're a basketball fan in the state of any kind, specifically a Wisconsin Badger basketball fan, you're going to be happy. Or at least I think I think you'll be happy. I don't want to speak for you. We're talking about that at 5:30 on the Wisco Sports Show. But today we do got to start with some Packers talk because, to be completely honest, as much as I'd love to start the show by talking about this Bucks trade, we really don't have all the details yet. I'm still kind of kind of taking it in. Kind of you know and when when trades break. And when details break they come out one chunk at a time, one piece at a time. So as the show rolls on, I'm going to continue to collect some of these details. And by 5:30 when we do get to talking some Bucks, uh because we haven't talked any Bucks this week. We got to get in a huge weekend coming up for the Milwaukee Bucks and we'll get there. I'll give you all the details on this massive trade the Bucks made. Uh I don't want to I don't want to freak you out. Giannis isn't going anywhere. Middleton isn't going anywhere. Bledsoe isn't going anywhere. Nobody from that core has been traded. Brogdon, Thonmaker, none of them have been traded. It's more about what they're receiving in return than what they gave up. And Badger basketball fans, I think you're going to be happy. Like I said, I'm, I I don't want to speak for you, <laughs> but maybe you'll have an, uh, an excuse, a reason to watch some Bucks basketball now finally, which is uh which is good enough for me. That's all coming your way at 5:30. Right now I want to start with some Packers talk. And like I said, I I don't want to channel my inner Jim Rome uh because 3 or 4 hours of Jim Rome in the afternoon is enough. But I do have a little smack to talk. Let's think of it that way. And you can get in on the smack talk as well. I'm not going to call you clones. I'm not going to cut you off if your phone call isn't what I like. I'm not going to, you know, insult you if I don't like what you have to say. So I guess I'm not that much of Jim Rome. But 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talk and text line. You can share your thoughts all show long. We're starting with some Packers talk. And I've seen this floated around this week. I thought Packers fans had this figured out. You can be in one of two camps. You can be in a little bit of both, I guess, if you want. Mike McCarthy had to go. His offense was stale. His offense wasn't creative, and it wasn't getting what we needed out of Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't maximizing the talent on the roster. And because of that, when Mike McCarthy moves on and when the Packers do hire a new coach, things should get better. You can be in that camp. You can also be in the camp of Aaron Rodgers didn't have a great season. The talent on this roster isn't that great, and Mike McCarthy really... Couldn't do a whole lot to improve the situation. You can be in one of those two camps. Maybe you can think a little bit of both. Eh, McCarthy and Rodgers were stale. Rogers not a great season. That's fine, too. But something that I am now hearing, and I heard it on the Bill Michaels show today. I heard a couple callers reference this. I've heard Bill reference this as well, and it drives me nuts. So I need to take this on. I got some smack to talk. This Packers roster is talented. Can can we come to a consensus on that? No, it's not the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings have more talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball. It might not even be the Chicago Bears, but to think that this Green Bay Packers team doesn't have enough talent to compete with the rest of the NFL is absurd. You you would think that is you'd think that is common knowledge. Apparently, it's not. I was listening to Bill Michaels today. I've been reading. I was even watching some national stuff, whether it was a uh, Sports Center. I watch a lot of FS1 and what those programs have to say. I guess I watch a lot of FS1 minus Colin Cowherd and minus Skip Bayless. So most of what I watch on FS1 is with Jason Whitlock or with Nick Wright and Chris Carter in the morning. And you would not believe the amount of Packers fans that call the Bill Michael Show, tweet in the Bill Michael Show, or that I see on Twitter with uh, responding to uh, WKTY, at WKTY, or responding to me at Keystroker Grant saying Ted Thompson didn't do enough his final few years. The cupboard is empty. There's no talent for this team to work with. And they can't win any games because of it. Look, I, I will concede and I will admit. I don't think this Packers team is talented as the Vikings. I don't think they're as talented as the Bears. But to say they don't have enough talent to win. Or especially to say they don't have enough talent to compete is asinine. It's absurd. And if and if Jim Rome, if I am channeling Jim Rome, I would say it's pathetic. Horrible. Embarrassing. It would be something along those lines. Look at this Packers team. Uh, let's compare them to the Saints. Uh, A great example right now. One of the front runners in the NFC. I'm not saying the Packers are as talented as the Saints. But let's look at what they have on offense. They have, uh, excuse me, Drew Brees, Michael Thomas at receiver, and Alvin Kamara at running back. Now, they do have some nice depth pieces. I do like Mark Ingram and what he provides as a backup running back. And their offensive line is tremendous. It might be up there with the best in the NFL, including the Wisconsin uh, player, Ryan Ramchek, who's one of the best tackles uh, in the NFL right now, in my opinion. Now, The Packers' offensive line is slightly weaker, and I don't think they have the backup running back of the caliber of Mark Ingram, but what they do have is Devontae Adams, who I think is on par with Michael Thomas. They do have Aaron Rodgers, who I think is very much on par with Drew Brees, and they have Aaron Jones, who is very much on par with Alvin Kamara, regardless of whether you think so or not. Look at the numbers. Yards per catch, yards per touch, yards per carry. They're almost identical. Aaron Jones is actually leading in a few of them. Where the discrepancy is, the amount of touches that he receives. Doesn't get as many touches as Alvin Kamara. The nucleus, the core on offense for the Packers, Adams, Rogers, Jones, I think goes toe-to-toe with Breeze, Kamara, Thomas. Now, I know the Packers don't have the offensive line, but they have Randall Cobb, which is something the Saints can't say, and they have Jimmy Graham, which is something the Saints cannot say anymore, used to be able to say. I think these offenses are pretty close to on par. Saints putting up 35, 40 points a game, looking absolutely unstoppable. Meanwhile, the Packers can't pick up a third down for much of the game against the Cardinals on Sunday. To say that this Packers team isn't talented, come on, come on, it, it's not. That's that's absurd. And on the defensive side of the ball, you can say they're injured. Yeah, I, I think that's a definite argument to make. But, you know, Ron Wolf always used to talk about, and we know how much Packers fans love to reference Ron Wolf because if we're not, you know, doing things the way Ron Wolf did it, we're going back to the '70s and the '80s. We can't do that. Ron Wolf always used to say, "Need playmakers at every level, right?" Somebody at safety, somebody at corner, somebody at linebacker, somebody at the defensive line. You need somebody at every level. Pro Bowl caliber players at every level for a championship contending defense. Well, I'd like to think the Packers are getting there. I don't think they are there. I think there are very few teams that are there with Pro Bowl level players at every level. But what I will say about the Packers is Kenny Clark, I think, is is wildly underrated and one of the best defensive tackles in football. Their linebacking core is banged up, and that position's been really, really, really undervalued the last couple of years. Blake Martinez is... Good playmaker. I like Blake Martinez. I think if he is your best linebacker, you're okay. You're not great. You're good. Not great. You can live with that. I think their number one corner right now in Jair Alexander has been inconsistent at times, but shown real ability to be a Pro Bowl level player. And, you know, to be honest, I think he'll get some votes for to be a Pro Bowl level player. He needs to work on his consistency, but what, what rookie doesn't? And at safety, that's where the big question is, but I, I think the Packers do have playmakers at every level, especially if you take away some of those injuries of Mike Daniels. Now they have two playmakers. On that defensive line. Especially if Kevin King's healthy. Now you have two playmakers in the defensive backfield. Safety's still an issue. I'm not gonna argue about safety. Packers have talent up and down this roster. Do they have the talent of the Saints? Probably not. Or the Vikings? Probably not. Maybe not even the Bears. I think that would be up for argument. But to say that they don't have talent to compete, really. Look, I know the Packers have had a poor season and your excitement and your enthusiasm might be a low, but to say that Ted Thompson left this team nothing and the cupboard is too bare to even beat the Cardinals, come on. That's a cop-out take. And Jim Rome, if you were to call in Jim Rome with that argument, I hope he would, ah, I hope he would cut you off. You don't like that call. Not a very good call, as Jim Rome likes to say in the jungle. All right, that's enough. Uh, Jim Rome impersonations for the day. You're on the Wisco Sports Show. Five-star telecom talking, text line 608-796-2558. Toma Dan says you can't make silk You can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. Look, Dan, I agree. But I don't think this Packers team is a sow's ear. You could use the expression, you can't make chicken salad out of you-know-what. Chicken, you-know-what. But this Packers roster isn't chicken, you-know-what. I think there's a lot of good pieces on this roster. And when it comes to scheming and game planning and design and play calling in the game and in-game adjustments, You should be able to maximize those players. And I don't think the Packers are doing that, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So, Dan, I agree with you. You can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. But I don't think this Packers team is a sow's ear. Not at all. I think there's a lot of talent up and down the roster. Like I said, I don't think they're top five in the league when it comes to overall talent. But they're good enough to compete, especially with number 12 behind center. That's that's absurd. And and I want to keep that chatter going here. Uh, As we look forward to the last quarter of the season, what do you want to see from this Packers team? And how do you want to see them handle what is on the roster? Because that really is the crux of the question. Do you want to see more young players? Do you want to see them go out to win four games to prove to everybody that Mike McCarthy was the problem? You want to see a little bit of both? Do you want to see the Packers shut down a couple of players for the last four games? We'll talk about all that coming up next. And as I said, Bucks making a huge trade right before the show started, and we haven't talked any Bucks this week, so we got to get to that at five thirty. Wisconsin basketball fans, you should be happy. You should be excited, and you should now have a reason to watch Bucks basketball. Something to pique your interest, I hope. That's on the way at 5.30 here on the Wisco Sports Show. Give me your thoughts, 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talking text line. What do you want to see from this Green Bay Packers team? Final quarter of the season gets underway on Sunday when they host the Reeling Falcons. Give me your thoughts. We'll go through it all coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY. (laughs) Fisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. Hope your week is wrapping up and you're having a good night. We're talking Packers to start the show, and don't worry. We'll we'll get to Bucks and and talk this big trade coming up at 5.30 as details continue to pour in. I think we have now all the details and the compensation for both sides of the trade. Um, And not to spoil, Badger basketball fans, you should be excited. And, I, and I'm excited, too. Just another reason to watch this young, exciting Bucks team and listen to them here on WKTY. Uh, I am your host, Grant Bills. Thank you once again for joining the Wisco Sports Show. We are talking Packers, including uh, expectations for these final four weeks of the regular season, the final quarter. A lot of people like to break up the NFL season into quarters. Um, I, I don't say I need to segment the NFL season, but it is handy, I think, now that Mike McCarthy has has gone his separate ways with the team, and, and we have a final stretch of four games, a nice little chunk, a nice little quarter, a segment of games to now evaluate what this Packers team has on paper. And yes, I know it's still not mathematically impossible for the Packers to make the playoffs, but it's its pretty darn close. Pretty darn close. So now it becomes about how do you manage his roster? How do you manage the game plan? How do you manage the scheme for these final couple of weeks if you're Brian Gutekunst, Mark Murphy, and head coach, interim head coach Joe Philbin? Because that's what it comes down to, right? Who's on the field? What are they doing on the field? Are you getting a look at certain players that you weren't before? How do you want them to approach this final quarter of the season? 608-796-2558. Either a call or a text will do on the five-star telecom talk and text line. You can also get in touch with the program on Twitter. Uh, You can follow and tweet at me at Grand, And you can also tweet at the station at WKTY if you want to share your thoughts on Twitter as well. More than welcome to. It becomes about roster management, these final four games, and we've already seen that. Uh, The Packers getting a little bit more willing to throw a body on injured reserve when maybe in a contending-type season, they wouldn't have done so. Maybe Kevin King would not have been put on injured reserve if the Packers were contending for a playoff spot or well into a playoff spot by this point and now already looking forward toward the postseason. Maybe Kevin King doesn't go on the injured reserve, and, and maybe Mike Daniels doesn't go on injured reserve. You never know. You don't know. But I would like to think that the Packers probably approach injuries a little bit differently at this point in the season, especially this specific season. So the question becomes, Aaron Rodgers became pretty dismissive when faced with the prospect of sitting out these final four games, of, of resting that knee, which I, I give him credit for. He's got enough flack for body language and for performance on the field. Uh, he doesn't exactly need to start doing some odd things in press conferences like saying, yeah, I might rest the knee. I might rest rest the final four games. I don't think we need to see that from Aaron Rodgers, and I don't think Aaron Rodgers has any interest in doing that. So Aaron Rodgers is going to play the final four games, or so he says. But what about everybody else? I know there's been some lagging injuries with players, and, and Jair Alexander's been injured at times, and Kenny Clark nicked up his ankle at one point, and Nick Perry's on injured reserve, so I guess we don't have to worry about the most injured player of all. Do you rest, guys? Do you cut back on minutes of some of those older players? those more valuable players, maybe offensive linemen like David Bakhtiari or Corey Lindsley, who could very well be putting together a Pro Bowl season, by the way. He's playing tremendous football. Do you give some of those guys some minutes off? Do you give them a break? How do you handle that? Because there are some players on this roster who are first-year players either brought in or drafted by Brian Gutekunst, like Alex Light, or like like Bob Tanyan, Big Bob Tanyan, the fourth-string tight end for most of the season. You want to get a look at those guys? Now, if you start seeing a lot of Robert Tanya, and if you start seeing some Alex Light or, or players that Brian Gutekinst was obviously high enough to either draft or bring in through undrafted free agency, maybe Brian Gutekinst has an ear in the interim head coach of Joe Philman said, hey, Joe, do us a favor. Give us some snaps with Bob Tanya. We want to see what we have going forward. Give us some snaps with Alec Le- Alex Light. I want to see if he can actually be a piece moving forward. Maybe that's a little bit of a key of the inner workings of, of how the Green Bay front office is connecting with this coaching staff. You never know. Alex Light, Robert Tanya, and some of those other uh, draft picks that were taken we haven't really seen a whole lot of yet. You can make an argument last year's draft class, like a Montrevious Adams. You get a look at him for the last couple of years, or not last couple of years, last couple of weeks. Who knows? The five star telecom talking tax line getting some action. Joe Lacrosse says, don't focus on winning; focus on getting a look at young talent and preparing for the draft and next year. Well, Joe, that's that's multifaceted. Okay, you said don't focus on winning, which. I don't know, if you're worried about draft stock and you're worried about getting a look at this year's talent and, and the young talent, yeah, winning's probably not the number one priority, but that's a tough, and we talked about this yesterday, that becomes a tough sell for players like Randall Cobb. And uh, there's another one, Clay Matthews. That's a tough sell. Say, hey, go out there, take it easy. We're only going to give you a couple minutes a game, a couple snaps a game. Don't overexert yourself. You know, we're not really focused on winning. We want to see what the young rooks have. Maybe they'll tell Randall Cobb, we, we we're going to get, Equinemius St. Brown, we're going to get Jamon Moore, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, we're going to get them some targets, we're going to get them some touches, and we're going to scheme plays and design plays to see what they're capable of. Now all of a sudden, Randall Cobb is saying, well, wait a damn minute, now my contract might be up and my time in Green Bay may be coming to an end, I think it probably is, you never know what conversations they've had, why is it fair that you're now going to cut my snaps and make me look even more irrelevant after a season where, fair or unfair, he has been mostly irrelevant due to injuries. How do you sell that to number 18 Randall Cobb, who may very well be looking for one more bite out of the apple, quote unquote, with a big contract coming up in this offseason, be it with the Packers or somewhere else? And Randall Cobb is going to have to go into those interviews and go into those meetings and explain why after being injured for most of the season and unable to come back from that hamstring injury after re-aggravating it earlier this year, that he wasn't able to to be effective in these final four weeks, even once the problem, quote-unquote, of Mike McCarthy was let out the door. That's something he's going to have to explain. And I don't know if necessarily cutting back on snaps for somebody like Randall Cobb is fair. And I don't know if that's what the Green Bay Packers will do, considering Randall Cobb has been a good player and and, and a good personality on this team, a stalwart on this Packers team, for the better part of almost 10 years now. He's been here since 2011. Been here through two contracts, very close with Aaron Rodgers. And and yes, I remember a couple of weeks ago, before anybody gets on my case about this, yes, uh, a couple weeks ago I was referencing the fact that Randall Cobb had been to Aaron Rodgers' wedding. Aaron Rodgers, obviously not married, but Randall Cobb and uh, Aaron Rodgers have been to weddings together. They're very close, they're they're tight friends, and and they're part of a, a group that's been on this roster together now for, like I said, the better part of a decade. So yes, Aaron Rodgers, not married, but they have been to weddings together. Just not Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if the Packers are going to do that to Randall Cobb. I I think they want to give everybody a chance to strut their stuff here in the last four weeks, including a guy like Clay Matthews, another guy who's been here now over 10 years. Been a stalwart, been a big piece on this Green Bay Packers team, including in Super Bowl forty-five and in 2014 when they moved him back inside and made it all the way to the NFC Championship game. Yeah, Clay, you know what? We're going to cut your snaps back. I know you haven't exactly been, you know, stacking up the sack numbers and the tackle numbers. But, you know, take the last four weeks off. We're not going to resign you next year. We want to dump some salary, get a little bit younger, get some different blood in here, some some different personalities. We're going to let you go. And in these last four weeks, don't even really worry about it. You can dog it. when the snaps that you do get. We're going to cut your snaps back because we want to get a look at other guys. Well, all of a sudden, that's not fair to number 52. That's not fair to Clay. Once again, he's going to have to meet with teams this offseason and explain why he was, for the better part of the last quarter of the season, ineffective. And I don't know if that's fair. So to say don't focus on winning, Joe, focus on getting a look at young talent and preparing for the draft next year, I don't know. There is ways that you can get a look at young talent without tanking, quote unquote. I know that's a lot more popular phrase in the NBA than it is in the NFL. Nick and West Salem says, should Rodgers even be playing collarbone last season, knee this year? Give him some time to get right. And Nick, look, I think that's a really fair question. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to allow himself to be sat down and shut down for these final four weeks. I don't think that, after really having just poor performances the last four weeks, and I know the numbers don't necessarily indicate that, as pro football focus has actually had him rated pretty high. I just don't think that's an optic he wants surrounding himself going into this offseason. Not only did he not show up and play for Mike McCarthy, but as soon as his team was out of contention, he said, "Ah, I'm going to wait till next year. I'm going to hang up the cleats. I'm going to hang out with Danica. I'm going to get an early start in of my offseason. I don't know if that's an optic he wants, but Nick, I see where you're coming from because Aaron Rodgers hasn't looked right, and I don't know if it was the fact that he didn't want to play for Mike McCarthy. I hope that wasn't it, because I'd think a little bit differently about Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to lie. Maybe it's the lingering effect of that shoulder or the lingering effect of that knee that he doesn't really want to step into his throws, or maybe it's some combination of both. I don't know. But you see it all the time with ACL injuries, except Adrian Peterson, where blow out your knee, come back, and there's a little bit of a buffer here. They don't really look the same. And I think you could make that argument with Deshaun Watson this year, with Carson Wentz. Now, I know Deshaun Watson has played better of late. They've actually been one of the hottest teams in the NFL, stringing now, what, eight wins together, nine wins together in a row? But one thing I will say is he hasn't really looked like the same electric quarterback. He's been good enough. He's been good but he wasn't the MVP candidate he was last year, much like Carson Wentz really hasn't been. He's just looked pretty good. Sometimes it takes that buffer year, and I don't know why you wouldn't be able to apply that logic with an ACL injury to a collarbone. Now, maybe not for a defensive back or a linebacker, but for a quarterback who uses that arm to to do different things other than just wrap another human being up to throw the ball and have to be accurate, have to be precise. I, I think there might be some lingering effects there. I'm not blaming injury. Because I think Aaron Rodgers' body language at times has just indicated that he really doesn't care. That's what it's indicated. I'm not saying that's what Rodgers was thinking, but that's how we read it. Maybe there's some lingering effects of that shoulder, or that knee. So I, I do think that's a good point, Nick, and and thank you, uh, everyone, uh, for the action on the five-star telecom talk and text line. A lot of interesting things going forward, and and just to just gotta put a capstone on the Packers talk for the day, I, I, I was fascinated with Joe Philbin's press conference asking because Joe Philbin... He really wasn't even specific about the last time he called plays. He said it was probably almost 20 years ago the last time he called plays in an NFL game. Or in any game. How will he handle that duty moving forward? I think it's pretty simple. I was I was bumming around on our Facebook page and our Twitter account here at WKTY as I as I a lot of times do, just to try to take a pulse, right? Get a vibe uh, from what people are saying, from what their opinion is, from from what their attitude is, especially with this Packers team right now because there's so many different ways and so many different opinions to have about the direction this team should go. Uh, and we had one person comment regarding Joe Philbin and his lack of recent play-calling experience saying, it can't be that hard. Get your best players on the field, get them the ball. And I was like, ah, I like that right there. Get Devontae Adams on the field, get Aaron Jones on the field, and find ways to get them touches. Scheme Devontae Adams open. Make sure you say, okay, we need to get Aaron Jones some touches. Need to get him involved in the passing game. Need to use him differently. Third down, all right, let's have our number one read be to Devontae Adams. Let's try to force feed our best players. Make sure they're on the field and make sure we try to get them the ball. I think that's a pretty good approach. I don't remember who the commenter was on Facebook. But if you're listening and you remember commenting that, keep up the good work. (laughs) Keep spreading the word on the Facebook page for WKTY. When we come back, huge Bucks talk today. And when when I plan the show... I was planning to talk a little bit about the upcoming Bucks warriors matchup that is tonight, and you can hear that on WKTY. And of course, we're still going to talk about that a little bit, but the big news now is the Bucs have made a trade, and not a little trade, not a small trade, not a swap of, of role players, but a big trade that is going to affect both franchises involved for the next coming years, and it really sets the Bucs up in a different position, and I think it's one of those trades that shows the team's cards a little bit, shows what's in the back of their mind, Shows what their opinion and attitude is moving forward and the direction the team is going going, moving forward. So we'll get into all that, and I'll share all the details of the trade for those of you who haven't heard as well. All that and more coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. I'm your host, Grant Bills. You're listening to WKTY. Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY, both at 96.7 FM and 580 a.m. You can always stream live at WKTYSports.com as well. Anywhere, anytime on our website and on our mobile app as well. I do want to get to some Buckstock and I'm really, really excited. I had some Buckstock built in already when I was putting the show together this afternoon. I wanted to talk about the upcoming matchup with the defending champs, the Golden State Warriors. Wanted to talk a little bit about Chris Middleton as well because I feel like Giannis gets all the attention. Giannis gets all the accolades and, and rightfully so. I'm not taking away from that. But Chris Middleton has flown under the radar still this season, and uh, Eric Aname, a reporter for the Athletic, actually asked Kevin Durant during shootaround today what his opinion was on Chris Middleton. You a lot of times hear uh, opposing superstars being asked by Bucks media about Giannis Antetokounmpo and and what their thoughts and what they have to say, and obviously it's high praise as always. But not really about Chris Middleton. And it was cool to hear Eric name sit down and actually ask that question to Kevin Durant and hear his response. We'll get that coming up as well. It's a huge weekend for the Bucs as they both have the Warriors and the Toronto Raptors. My belief, uh, the two current best teams in their respective conferences. Although I think the Bucs are right there, if not uh, equal or even a little better. We'll have to see because they have yet to play at full strength. The Bucs took it to them when both teams were without their superstars. Kawhi Leonard and Giannis Antetokounmpo. So that's what I was going to talk about. Uh, and we're still going to touch on that a little bit, but now the Bucs made a huge trade. And that's kind of forced my hand, man. We got to cover this. Uh, the Bucs, just about 10 minutes before this show started up, John Horst and the Bucks general manager made this trade with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I believe we now have all the information, so I will pass it along to you, okay? So the Bucks receive George Hill, who is a, a, a longtime point guard in the NBA and I think could really add some backcourt depth for those of you who aren't familiar with George Hill played point guard with LeBron James for, uh, for last year while he was there as well. And they received Sam Decker, who Badger fans, I'm sure, will certainly remember uh, as uh, one of the longtime stars, or I should say in 20, 2014, 2015, the Sheboygan Lutheran product returns to the Milwaukee Bucks. And if you are a Badgers fan, now you got no excuse. When we talk Bucks on the show, you gotta pay attention. When the Bucks play here on WKTY, you gotta listen because you gotta see what Sam's doing, right? The hometown kid coming back into trade. So the Bucks receive George Hill and Sam Decker, but ship away Matthew Della Vidova and John Henson. They also sent away a future first round pick and a future second round pick. Now, on its face, for those of you who aren't familiar with the NBA and, and how trades and how contracts a lot of the times work, might be a little confused as, yes, I believe the Packers, or not the Packers, I believe the Bucks got the two superior players out of the deal. They got George Hill and Sam Decker. Both I would value higher than Matthew Della and John Henson. But here is the thing. By shipping away those two picks, you also convince the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are now in the middle of a, a full rebuild, which is hilarious, uh, in and of itself, given that they were in the NBA Finals last year, apparently only because of LeBron James, as now they are looking to lead the lottery uh, in the next couple of months. So the Cleveland Cavaliers say, all right, here's what we'll do. We'll take on bad contracts. We'll take on that big money in Matthew Dellavedova and John Henson, and we'll sit on that for the next couple of years while we rebuild. But we want some picks. We want something to build our future on, you know, in the future. And that's what they get via those draft picks. The Bucks give up those picks to get players, and in extension of the trade, say, oh, uh, we want, uh, we'll want we give you picks, we'll give you players, uh, but we, we want, obviously, George Hill and Sam Decker in return. So the Cavaliers, while they are rebuilding, can afford to take on that bad money for a while. The Bucks really can't, so they ship out two bad contracts out of town, freeing up money in the upcoming offseason. And get this, and I didn't realize this until uh, this previous break where I was doing a little bit of reading, George Hill's contract only guaranteed up to $1 million next year. So if they don't like George Hill, they want to move on, It only costs about a million dollars against the cap. So they're not really taking on any new money. And Sam Decker's contract is, well, Sam Decker's contract is he's been traded around now from Houston to Los Angeles to Cleveland and now back home to Milwaukee. So Badgers fans, you have no excuse not to tune in and to uh, watch or listen to some Bucks basketball and get engaged now here on the Wisco Sports Show. And I love it. If for no other reason, look, I don't know if Decker hasn't been anything special in the NBA I don't know if it'll be good. I don't even know if we will play, but it's a fun story and it'll be cool to watch Sam Decker at the Pfizer Forum uh at least for the near future here. So, the Bucks get in action tonight 8:30 game on ESPN. You can also hear it against the Golden State Warriors on WKTY. We'll have it right here where you're listening right now. Funny thing is if you if you haven't been paying attention or you don't really think about it, the Bucks Actually have a two-game winning streak. They've won their last two against the Golden State Warriors. That's called a winning streak. That is called a winning streak. That's exactly what that is. Two in a row against the defending champ, Golden State Warriors. And we'll see if they can keep that rolling tonight. The last time they played the Warriors, it was at Oracle Arena. And for the final quarter and a half, the Warriors were without Steph Curry, however, by then it was well out of hand. The Bucs really ran them out of town, or I guess ran them out of their own building, which was uh, one of the best Bucs games that I have sat down to watch all year long. I think they really showed up. And before the game gets started today in shoot-around, Eric Name of The Athletic had a chance to sit down. They talked to Kevin Durant and asked him a couple of questions. Now, normally, when opposing teams and opposing players especially are asked about the Bucs and say, hey, what do you think about this? They're typically asked about Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Bucs superstar, the 24-year-old who is currently averaging 27-13-6, and six, leading the MVP race. And I think we're going to see a 30-20-10 game from him at some point this year, which I, I absolutely cannot wait. He's been a force in nature. Nobody has been able to stop him. Instead, Eric Name asks about Chris Middleton and what KD thinks about uh, the, the number two, the shooting guard the two guard for the Bucks and, and what he thinks because I think he is underrated. I think everybody in the NBA would come to that understanding that he is underrated. And Kevin Durant maybe talks a little bit about why and just about why he has respect for Chris Middleton and what he does so well, but really doesn't get any credit for it. I'm a huge Chris Middleton fan. I mean, we all in the league realize what he does. You know, he might not get the, the glory or glitz or... Whatever comes with it, um, you know, that'll get more people to recognize what he does. But somebody that efficient, somebody that deadly uh, from the three-point line all over the court, not as athletic as people would want him to be. You know, that's the flash that I mean. But, you know, he can can back anybody in and shoot over top. He can play in the pick and roll. He can pass. He's 6'8 at the two guards, so he's big for his position. He catches, shoot three, he dribble off the shooting, uh, shooting three off the dribble. So either way, shoot the mid range. I mean, he's complete to me. That's really cool to hear. A reporter, uh, a Bucks beat reporter, ask not about Giannis Antetokounmpo, but about Chris Middleton uh, and exactly what he does for this team. And I think what. Kevin Durant pointed out was was very astute. And it's funny because most interviews you hear Kevin Durant, it's the exact opposite. It's curse words and, and getting a little defensive. Uh, and this question and this answer posed a little bit differently regarding Chris Middleton. I think it's really astute to point out because there are some differences about how Middleton is being utilized under first coach or first year coach Mike Budenholzer compared to Jason Kidd last year and Joe Prunty, who essentially was an extension of Jason Kidd. And this is what I've been saying. I don't want to be that guy. I'm not I'm not trying to take credit for this. This is what I was saying last year, is they need to use Chris Middleton differently. And I think to some extent they have this year. And you hear Kevin Durant mention some of those details. He's a two guard who's 6'8". So he's big for his position. He's bigger and stronger than most shooting guards, most, most number two players on NBA rosters. He can back down people in the post and shoot over the top, which is a skill that most shooting guards don't have. And last year, under Jason Kidd, and, and going back a little bit farther than last year as well, I don't think he was treated as a shooting guard. He wasn't treated as a two. He was treated as a three or a four. As a guy who should live underneath, look for mismatches, and back people down and shoot over the top. Instead of playing around the perimeter, looking for perimeter jump shots. And then when you get a mismatch you like, all right, set something up, run a screen, get him underneath on that mismatch, and then let him use his size. Every once in a while. The primary skill set for Chris Middleton this year, and I think rightfully so, if I'm allowed to share my opinion on the subject, should be using Chris Middleton as a two-guard. Using him like the Warriors use Klay Thompson. Or the um, the Portland Trailblazers use CJ McCollum. Or the Wizards use Bradley Beal. Use him as a two-guard. Keep him on the perimeter and almost as a point guard who doesn't handle the ball. Run screens for him. Run sets for him. Run uh, run you know curl screens so he can come around and get opportunities to catch and shoot three-point shots. Run specific plays to get Chris Middleton designed catch-and-shoot three-point jumpers. That should be the number one, the primary skill set for Chris Middleton. The secondary skill set and secondary use then becomes when you get a mismatch that you like. When you get a matchup that you like. Do some twists, do some turns, run some things. Get Chris Middleton underneath because he is 6'8", as Kevin Durant mentioned. Because he is taller than the average two guard. Get him underneath, allow him to back a shorter player down and shoot over the top. Because he does do that very well. Unfortunately, backing a guy down slowly and shooting over him The NBA is kind of getting away from that. It's a less efficient shot compared to a three-point shot. It's a little bit more work. It slows down. It stops everyone else on the floor to the point where they just stand there and watch Chris Middleton. And I love it. I think there is a place in today's basketball for looking for that mismatch and backing them down and shooting them over the top in the mid-range. But that shouldn't be used as Chris Middleton's primary skill set. And I think Kevin Durant mentioned that. Maybe I'm twisting his words. Although I think what I've said uh, Kevin Durant would be like, yeah, I think that's good interpretation. So we, we continue to break down Kevin Durant press conferences here on the Wisco Sports Show. The Bucks have won two in a row against the defending state, Golden State Warriors, uh, defending champs, Golden State Warriors. We'll see if they can keep that up and and put together a three-game that's winning streak. That's called a winning streak. That is called a winning streak. See if they can make it number three tonight. Game is at 830. You can hear that on WKTY. You can also uh, watch it on ESPN. A national game for the Bucs tonight. So hopefully they... they show out well. They did last time that they had a shot at the defending champs on national TV. They made use of it and Giannis Antetokounmpo went off and the Bucks ran the Golden State Warriors out of Oracle Arena. We'll see if maybe we'll have a repeat at the Pfizer Forum tonight. I can't wait. Make sure you're tuning in and checking it out. And those of you who aren't interested in Bucks basketball, maybe you're a Badger basketball fan? Well, now they have Sam Decker. You can watch a little bit of that as well. See if he can carve himself a role on this team and finally settle down. Because I think he is a useful player. I don't think he's ever going to be a star in this league. Uh, he may never even be a, a role player in this league, but I don't know if he's got a, a great shot yet. He was with Houston for a while before they were good. I think they could have used Sam Decker last year or this year. Goes to the Clippers, then traded to the Cavs. And let's just face it. The Cavs are the Cavs. I don't know if anybody gets a fair shake in Cleveland. Maybe now, especially with Dante DiVincenzo injured, maybe now we'll get a shake to to actually show what he can do on the floor after a couple years of NBA experience. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the Wisco Sports Show for the week. And, uh, Have a little bit of week in review. A couple of sports stories that we didn't get to this week that I think are very interesting and I'd love to talk about as well. You can share your thoughts. 608-796-2558. The five-star telecom talking text line. Little college football. Little baseball. Little Brewers talk as well as some moves being made, uh, not by the Brewers, but for former Brewers players, uh, especially by the Minnesota Twins. So we'll talk about that coming up next as we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show for the week here on WKTY. Stay tuned. A lot more to come. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show for the week here on WKTY. No better way to wrap up the week or really any day than with a little Jimmy Buffett here with a little Alan Jackson as well. For those of you who don't know, don't know me, I'm 20 years old. Go to UWL, but am a huge parrot head. Love me some Jimmy Buffett. Uh, and I, for those of you also who don't know, I work over on Z93, uh, and that's my, uh, my night gig. And every time this year we talk about you know who is the most listened to artist, the most listened to songs for 2018, uh, so I was checking out my Spotify account, see who I listened to the most. I spent 59 hours in the year 2018 just listening to Jimmy Buffett, just listening to Jimmy Buffett. 59 hours. It's like it's like over two days, isn't it? Yeah, it is over two days. I'm not a mathematician. Uh, but, uh, but I can do that math. That's, uh, that's 59 hours listening to Jimmy Buffett. That's, that's pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. No better way to wrap up the week. Uh, a couple potpourri type things, a uh, week in review, a couple things we didn't touch on this week here on the Wisco sports show. Uh, number one, something that I just saw on Twitter and wanted to pass along. Uh, this was tweeted out by Tom Silverstein of Packersnews.com. Mike McCarthy took out a full page ad in the pre, uh the Green Bay Press Gazette thanking Green Bay uh for the appreciation and quote the immense outpouring of love that he has received from fans since his firing on Sunday that's really cool and yesterday we talked about uh we talked about kind of a feel good story that Mike McCarthy was able to come back and and address his team and his coaches one last time which I thought was a really classy move and and maybe not the right move for every coach firing but I thought it made sense for this situation and it seems like the Packers and Mike McCarthy are just, they're doing the right things. Um, and it made me smile to see that. I retweeted it. You can find it at my Twitter account, at Keystroker Uh, And now I see it's being put out by a couple more accounts as well. So it shouldn't be too hard to find if you're interested in checking out that newspaper article. Uh, a couple other things that I also wanted to touch on today before we say goodbye for the week. Things that we didn't get a chance to cover this week. Urban Meyer, it's now been said that he is, uh, well, he's taken off. He's saying, I'm I'm done with Ohio State. Ryan Day is going to take over after the Rose Bowl, and uh, and that's going to be it. He's going to retire from coaching, apparently. Now, the number one thing is is I've followed this story this week, and and we really have, haven't had time with the firing of Coach Mike McCarthy and Badger basketball is playing well. UWL got a crazy fun win on Wednesday. We just haven't had the time to talk about it. Uh, I remember we talked a lot about Urban Meyer when that whole scandal with uh, Zach Smith came out and was reported by Brett McMurphy. We talked about that a lot earlier this fall. Uh, one thing I will say, I'm not a huge Urban Meyer fan. Look, I don't know Urban Meyer. The funny thing is, the big Urban Meyer defenders, uh, especially now he is retiring due to his health uh, because he has a assist on his brain, which makes it very hard for him to be in stressful situations and to coach. The supporters, the biggest supporters of Urban Meyer are all Ohio State grads or Florida grads or former players. It's been interesting. I was watching ESPN the other day. Uh, or Actually, it was this morning. Tim Tebow was on to talk about Urban Meyer. You know, what a great man he is. You know how he prays for him and thinks about him every day and and how I know it. his family means so much to him and coaching means so much to him, and this is a hard decision. Then I was watching Fox Sports the other morning with Chris Carter talking about his former coach and, and what it means to him and, and basically just name-dropping the entire time about how Urban Meyer told him this and told him that, and it was just obnoxious. You hear that from Ohio State grads and, and protégés who used to play under Urban Meyer. You know who you don't hear that from? Everyone else, <laughs> like the entire college media says that Urban Meyer is just a garbage human being and an awful person. Good football coach, awful person. You don't hear that from his former players. You just hear that from everyone else. So you kind of have to sift through the, yes, Urban Meyer probably has health issues, but on the other hand, this was also a very rough year for him at Ohio State. He might not feel like the board and the athletic department had his back, which may or may not be the case. I don't know. I think you you have to take it with a grain of salt. I'm sure he has health problems, and and I don't know if they are as evident and as dramatic as I think he sometimes makes them on the sideline uh, because <laughs> Maryland game is a great example. Uh, he certainly seemed to feel okay when they won, when they walked it off. You know, that stress and that grimace and that that hand rubbing the face and scratching his head certainly seemed to go away when they won the game in overtime. <laughs> Rest of the game, not so much. Look, I'm not trying to make light of Urban Meyer's health because we just don't know, Right. Uh, obviously his family and his doctors, and he knows the the exact situation, but I think we do have to take every single bit of this Urban Meyer story with a grain of salt as he moves on from Ohio State. Another college football story we didn't get to talk about uh, breaking later on in the week was Jonathan Taylor wins the Doak Walker Award, uh, the one for the best running back in college football, Uh, and now Wisconsin can brag about that award quite a bit, and I saw Zach Heilprin tweet this out, and, and I think it's pretty cool and something for Wisconsin to hang their hat on in a year where they didn't have much else Uh, Jonathan Taylor winning the Doak Walker Award, joining Ron Dane, Monte Ball, and Melvin Gordon as Badgers to win it, giving Wisconsin the most players to win the award out of any school. So four Badgers have now won the Doak Walker, and to be honest, they've just had dominant running backs for the last how many years? I mean, John Clay was tremendous, obviously. James White was tremendous. Uh, Guys who have won it, or excuse me, haven't won it, but maybe been on teams where other guys have won it. It's a pretty impressive factory of of running backs that they've put out there for the last couple of years. So Jonathan Taylor winning the Doak Walker Award. Marquel Wisconsin, big rivalry game this weekend. I don't know how to handle this. I think it depends on which area of the state you live in. Down in Milwaukee, I think there's probably some different optics surrounding this, quote, rivalry. I don't know if there's a whole lot of diehard Marquette fans up here, and and that's something that hopefully we can talk about early on next week as we talk about uh, the game that is soon to come on Saturday between the Golden Eagles and the Badgers. I'm a Badger fan. I don't cheer against Marquette. When the Badgers play Marquette, I certainly do. But the rest of the year, I'm, I'm more than happy to see Marquette win. I don't know if that's everybody's feeling. Something I want to get into a little bit next week. We are a couple hours away from Milwaukee. So I think if you are a Marquette fan, and understandably so, you would be in the minority in this area of the state. But I think that's interesting. And you hear from from people who are Marquette fans, they hate the Badgers. I just think those those people are fewer and farther between in this area of the state, as far away from Milwaukee as we are. So something I want to get into next week, and I'm excited to talk about that game because I think it's going to be a good game. I know Marquette's not currently ranked, or they weren't the last time I checked, but some good players, some really talented athletic players as well when they go cold, Marquette hasn't won. But when they've been able to shoot well and their players have made plays, they've won some games in, in impressive fashion this year. Uh, Jonathan Scope was signed to the Twins yesterday. Seven and a half million dollars for a one-year contract for the second baseman. Brewers let him go, say thank you for your time. David Stearns even came out and said, that was a bad trade. That was my bad. In a press conference, which is something you typically don't hear general managers say. Even if it does get to the point where it's basically common knowledge, I think it most Brewers fans would understand. Yeah, it was a bad trade. I don't know if we were all expecting or waiting for David Stern to come out and say it, but he did, uh, and kind of an ugly ending. I know Jonathan Scope was nothing but a class act in Milwaukee, and that grand slam off of Madison Baumgartner earlier on in the regular season was one of the the high points, one of the most fun moments of the season that I was able to witness, but just not a whole lot. Game of start in the playoffs, wasn't able to do anything. Seven and a half million dollars to the Twins, and my joke to one of my buddies who's a Twins fan the other day was, "Well, hopefully he gets hot at the right time, then the the Twins can trade him at the deadline like they do all their good players." Sorry to the Twins fans listening out there. I'm sorry. I wish Jonathan Scope all the best, uh, to be honest. I know he had a a horrible showing in second half post the trade deadline with the Brewers, but uh, nothing, I mean, personally, nothing bad about Jonathan Scope. His performance just sucked, let's be honest. Uh, And David Stern said as much. I mean, you can't really argue with that. Uh, So that leaves second base a little bit more wide open for the Brewers. They have a lot of different routes they could go. They could stick with, uh, maybe they make a run at Mike Moustakis, try to bring him back because he has been known to leave and come back to players testing free agency. Maybe that'll be the case and they put Travis Shaw at second or maybe they move Shaw back to third and now what do they do at second base in the middle of that infield? Because now you got to feel pretty good about Orlando Arcia, right? After the showing that he had in the playoffs. But my question is going to be what do they do at second base? Assuming that Orlando Arcia stays healthy and continues to play at the level that he was, what do they do at second base? There's a couple free agent options. DJ LeMahieu was surprisingly released by the Rockies. You bring him in. Daniel Murphy, guy who was traded to the Cubs or more so selected off of waivers and, you know, was more more complicated than that. What do they do with second base? Keston Hira? Is he a day one player? I don't think so. We haven't seen that from the Brewers very often. Maybe by the end of the year. We'll see. And we'll talk about the middle of the Brewers infield and a whole lot more. Just like we're going to talk about that Badgers Marquette game and a whole lot of stuff as we get underway next Monday when the Wisco Sports Show returns here on WKTY. Don't forget UWL basketball tomorrow. Drew Kelly and I will have the call live from Mitchell Fieldhouse, three o'clock. Make sure you're tuning in tomorrow. Otherwise, have a fantastic weekend. I can't wait to talk to you all Monday.